0: Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who, after Michigan's win last night, told me we won
1: Alabama, Brandon Siegel. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I don't know if I specifically said that, um, but Michigan has been quite impressive. I will talk about them in a little bit. Uh, I am more than surprised, collectively, uh, about Michigan, but I think my surprise was uh was foolishness i think i shouldn't be surprised and i'll explain it in a little bit um but a lot to get to in this podcast we had a lot of great sports uh to talk about um and you know we'll, we'll try to get through as much as we can let's start off in college basketball as we've been doing trevor um and we had some big upsets this week specifically the biggest one we had the number one team in the nation go down uh Ohio state beat the duke blue devils 71 66 what was your take on this game yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think
0: you know, college basketball we're used to a lot of parity, um, and it seems like maybe this year we're, we're getting some more of that parity back. I mean, last year we had a number one team in Gonzaga, who was number one for I don't know how many weeks straight, but they were number one for quite a while last year. Obviously, they were undefeated until they lost to Baylor. Um, but now we, you know, we saw Gonzaga as the number one team for a little bit. Duke was able to beat them, and now. We see Duke, the number one team, you know, on, on last Monday, and now they are no longer going to be number one tomorrow because they just lost to Ohio State uh, 71-66. Um, and in this game, um, I mean, honestly, like Duke, obviously they're still a young team. They play, you know, quite a few freshmen, a couple uh, second-year players. So this type of thing happens, and Ohio State is a quality team. They have a lot of talent. Um, but looking at this game and, and maybe what – you need to watch out for, you know, going forward with Duke, is that Paolo Bencaro didn't have his best game in this one, you know. He shot 4-for-14 four from the field. I think normally he's probably going to play better than that. Obviously, he did play all better than that against Gonzaga. Um, but with Paolo, you know, he's having, you know, uh, he, I, apparently he has some sort of thing where he gets, like, these cramps because he sweats a lot. Um, I remember reading something about that. But there's been a few different Duke games I've watched where he comes out of the game, or maybe he's not playing like a ton of minutes. In this game, he played 35 minutes, but in some other games, like uh, you know, he's like apparently sweating a lot, so he has these cramps. So he's coming out of the game. I don't know exactly how big of an issue that is. I think it's more of a minor one, um, but that's just something that I guess be aware of. Uh, Window more for Duke did have a pretty solid game, um, but they just didn't shoot well from the field. I mean, Ohio State did a really good job on defense, um, keeping. Duke to only 29% from three, 39% overall, whereas Duke, or I mean, whereas Ohio State shot 40% from three. They made eight of 20. Um, You know, you had Justin Ahrens who made uh, two threes, EJ Liddell, uh, you know, Wheeler got one. Um, And then off the bench, obviously, they had um, uh, Cedric Russell who came off the bench and hit three threes. So that was a big uh, help for Ohio State, obviously. And with my thing with Ohio State is, you know, they're a relatively young team. I mean, they have a couple experienced guys, but EJ Liddell is their, you know, best player. He's the, he's the guy that you know, you know, has a chance to be, you know, maybe second team All-American, something like that. One of the best players in the Big Ten. And my question was kind of, okay, where else is the help going to come from And um, in this Duke game? Definitely got quite a bit of help from Zed Key. Zed Key had 20 points in this one, you know, played really solid. And some of these younger players, you know, are adding to that. Uh, Malachi Branham out of uh, St. Vincent St. Mary, he's been contributing uh, pretty well um, for them as well, including uh, in addition to just an So good win for Ohio State. Um, We'll see how they continue to develop. Obviously they have a lot of things to work uh, through. Uh, going forward in this season uh, the next game I want to mention is UNC uh, the Tar Heels beating your Michigan Wolverines 72 51 uh, Michigan you know they're just they're going through some struggles some growing pains right now that's happening um, you know just a pretty pretty easy win there for North Carolina um, not not a good showing for Michigan obviously but I expect them to really get it back together obviously with this team but for them it's kind of like they, they rely—I guess it's a similar problem in Ohio State. Like, they have they rely on one guy. They rely on Hunter Dickinson quite a lot. And some more of these teams are seeing how um, Arizona guarded them, you know, with the double teams trapping. And, and some of the other teams are taking note of this, and they're employing the same strategy. And then Michigan has to rely on other guys, some of their guards, like an Eli Brooks or maybe the freshman Caleb Houston, to kind of pick up the slack. And they haven't really done a great job of doing that so far, so— We'll see um, who can step up for Michigan going forward. The last game that I just wanted to mention quickly: Purdue, who I believe will be the new number one tomorrow on Monday. Uh, they beat Iowa seventy-seven to seventy, and Iowa is undefeated. You know, Iowa is a solid team. They did lose, um, obviously, a, you know, a couple huge pieces to their team last year, but Iowa's still a pretty solid team. And one of my favorite uh, players last year, I remember watching for Iowa, is Keegan Murray, who has had an incredible. Um, you know, sophomore year so far, I think he's averaging, you know, 24, 25 points, you know, seven, eight rebounds. So he's doing really well. But I, uh, Purdue was able to take care of business there and they will be number one uh, tomorrow. But the biggest game that I wanted to discuss was one that I watched last night and that was Gonzaga and Alabama. Um, now, Alabama was able to beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga now already with two losses. A little surprising to me. I didn't expect Gonzaga to to get, well, let alone one loss, but two losses this quickly, um, as I still, even after the Duke loss, believed that they were still probably the best team in the country. But now another loss here to Alabama, who, you know, they have a lot of athletes, have a lot of talent. Nate Oates, you know, doing a really good job with that program in the development, the recruiting over there. I mean, Jane Shackleford was kind of just – on fire in this game he had you know uh he made six threes out of the eight that he took 28 points total and he was just um he he just really couldn't miss and the gonzaga defense didn't really have a lot of answers for alabama um one more guy i want to shout out for alabama because obviously they have you know a few other recruits you know or a few other prospects for the nba draft like jd davison But the guy I want to shout out is Charles Badiaco, uh, the center for Alabama, the freshman. He's from Canada, 7-footer. I actually got an opportunity. I didn't see him play because he was hurt, but he played for uh, Andrews Osborne Academy in Ohio. um, And I got an opportunity to watch their team play almost almost, – that was almost three years ago now. Um, So he – Had a block party in this one. He had six blocks, a couple of them on Chet Holmgren, a couple of them on Drew Timmy. So really good showing for Alabama. And if they can get that consistent rim protection from him, that's kind Mm -hmm. of like maybe the missing piece that they were looking for. Because Alabama, you know, the past few years now with Nate Oates, and even before Nate Oates, they had like just, you know, amazing guard play. But now to get, you know, an added rim protector, that could be a great piece that could potentially help Alabama win the SEC.
1: Yeah, so a lot of good games uh, this past week, and Trevor, it seems like we got a lot more good ones coming up. But before we get to those good ones, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the draft prospects. We 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 went over some of them uh, in some of these past games. But why don't you talk to me about some of the draft prospects you've seen, who you've liked, who you've seen that hasn't been quite as good? Uh, what do you think about uh, this coming up draft pool?
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of you know ton of ton of interesting prospects. Um, I think. Personally, I think Paolo Bancaro is the number one prospect right now. I would have him a little bit ahead of Chet Holmgren, just because of you know his all-around ability to score the basketball. Uh, Chet doesn't quite have. You know, some of the same uh, abilities to create his own shot as Palo can do. Palo can, you know, take it from end to end, create for others, create for himself. He can pull it for three, uh, he can drive to the basket. Um, and Palo, I mean, he's a big guy. He's like, you know, 6'8, six, six, or I think he's like 6'10 actually, you know, about 245, 250 pounds. So this is a big guy, you know, able to just go from end to end and really, uh, you know, create for others and himself. So he can do a lot. Um, on the offensive end, on the defensive end, maybe there's a you know some things to work on there. But even on the defensive end, you know you'll see him getting in there and getting a block occasionally too. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe some more growth um, to see from Paolo there. For Chet, who I would have number two. I mean, it's the, the biggest thing about Chet is his ability to just protect the rim. I mean, he blocks a lot of shots. He alters shots. You know, if you're driving to the rim and Chet Holmgren's down there, it's like how, how am I gonna get this layup? uh, you know, off the backboard and in the hoop, you know, it's just very difficult to do. So, um, another guy that I haven't got a ton of to, a chance to watch really like a full game, but in just seeing some of his highlights and seeing people talk about him, Jabari Smith from Auburn, he's kind of like that third guy right now. Um, another kind of like a, a little bit more of like a stretch big, um, you know, 6'9, 6'10 He can step out, shoot threes. He can handle the ball a little bit. You know, and we're seeing a lot of players like this um, who can, you know, space the floor a little bit that are bigger now. Obviously, this has been more of a trend. We just saw, I mean, the latest example I think is Evan Mobley, who you're seeing taking some uh, mid range jumpers. Obviously, he's very good in pick and roll, he can block some shots, obviously, with Cleveland. Um, so, Jabari Smith, he has like a little bit of that in him. I don't know if he's necessarily as good as Evan Mobley. I, I, don't, I haven't seen much, I haven't seen a ton yet. Um, but definitely someone to look out for is Jabari Smith for Auburn. Um, and last guy that I will mention here, um, because I could go on all day about all of these guys, uh, Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey for Purdue. Um, in my opinion, he's the best guard in this class um, for Purdue. And he's he just super athletic. You know, he can get to the basket, um, you know, just really makes a number of moves, creating for himself. I mean, he already, and, and a lot of these top players, they already kind of look like they should be in the NBA. They kind of look like NBA players. Um, the thing for Jaden Ivey is obviously he kind of has to work on his shooting. He's getting better at it, but that's kind of the one thing that people mention and say, okay, Jaden Ivey, uh, you know, maybe needs to work on his shooting a little bit more. But those are, you know, some of the, the best prospects right there. Um, just to mention, and you know, as we, get, as we progress in the season, we'll be talking about more of
1: uh, you know, some of these great NBA prospects. So before we get into college football and talk you know, about the, the couple important games, any games you're excited to watch this week in college basketball?
0: Yeah, so just a few um, that I'll mention. Uh, Texas and Seton Hall are playing this Thursday. Uh, both were top 25 teams, I believe. Um, you have Alabama and Houston next Saturday. That'll be another really good game. Um, that I'm excited for I think that's the game I'm maybe most excited for Um, and then we have Villanova and Baylor on Sunday Uh, just another incredible game I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch Baylor yet so I'm really hoping uh, to potentially watch them the only thing is it's on a Sunday which conflicts with the NFL so that's going to be a tough one I wish they put that on a Saturday but nevertheless um, that should be a great one
1: Alrighty, well, let's move on to college football as we did get a lot of great college football yesterday. Well, actually, honestly, the games weren't that great yesterday, if we're being honest. Uh, but let's talk about the two big ones. We'll start with Georgia-Alabama. I mean, Alabama just didn't pump the brakes at all in Georgia. I mean, really, really beat them. Uh, it didn't seem like Stenson Bennett was that great at all. Bryce Young really put on a clinic: four hundred twenty one yards, three touchdowns. Um, not a, honestly, not a lot to mention from this game. I mean, they just really destroyed them and it seems like Alabama is going to be a pretty tough team to beat. And any thoughts from this game, Trevor?
0: Yeah, well, the one thing that, that kind of surprised me, because like Georgia, you know, they have this really good defense. They're, you know, they have a couple shutouts this year. They're completely destroying some of these other teams in the SEC. They're supposed to be good teams, like Arkansas, Auburn. They're holding them all, like, you know, to 10 points or maybe less than 10 points in some cases. And in this game, the one thing that that kept – Gideon is obviously just Bryce Young and his greatness, not only to be able to throw the ball downfield um, and you'll find different routes, but also to get out of the pocket and run the ball. I mean, there were at least like four or five instances I counted, um, I think maybe just in the first half alone, where Bryce Young got out of the pocket and they didn't really have anyone that was spying Bryce Young, it seemed at least. They didn't have, like they had the coverage. The coverage was really good. Bryce Young had no one to throw to, but he just ran for, you know, 10 yards, 15 yards, really, you know, in some of these critical downs, second down, third down, he ran for a touchdown on one of them. And I, I don't know, it was just strange to see that, you know, for such a good defense in Georgia that they wouldn't have eyes on a quarterback that's so good, not only throwing the ball, but also running the ball in Bryce Young. So that's what really stood out to me uh, most about this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is just a domination from Alabama. They just seemed like the well better off team than Georgia. I mean, quarterback play really defined that. And I think this will be the common theme moving into the playoff. But before we talk about the four teams that we believe will be in the playoff here. We'll talk shortly about the Michigan-Iowa game. I mean, Iowa's not very good. Uh, 42-3, Michigan really put a beat down on them. Um, and I, I don't know, there's really not a lot to say about this. I, I will. I do want to talk about my surprise of Michigan. I, I, I was so surprised by how well this team's done. But if you really take a look at it, I, I feel like it was foolishness. I really shouldn't have been that surprised. Uh, this is a pretty solid Michigan team. They have a really, really great run game. They're, they're, Cade McNamara's not the greatest quarterback. That's probably their biggest weakness. Uh, but they have great secondary play. Amazing. D line fabulous D line two top ten picks on their D line and David Ajabo and a guy who I think should be in the Heisman running who I don't think he should win the Heisman I want to point that out but he should be in it Aiden Hutchinson who's been just absolutely phenomenal I hope he's the number one overall pick uh, in this upcoming draft um, but Michigan has been impressing me left right and center um, they seem like a great team so so Trevor let's let's quickly talk here about the uh, the four teams that are in the playoff obviously it's going to be uh, At least we believe it'll be uh, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, and uh, Cincinnati. Uh, Mm -hmm. I definitely think those are the four most deserving teams. I feel like you'd agree with that, right?
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And as we're recording this, we might get the announcement soon. We'll keep you updated. But um, it at least helps that we kind of know who the four teams are. So even if we don't find out as we're recording this, um, which we probably will. But we, we kind of know who the four teams are, and I think I have a pretty good idea of who the matchups will be, at least who I, who I hope the matchups will be, I will say.
1: Yeah, I, I was hoping Michigan would be able to escape in Alabama or Georgia playing this first round. Um, however, I'm not upset about it. You know, Bring it on. Let's bring on the best teams uh, to start <laughs> off here. I think the four is going to be I'd, – I'd put Alabama at one, Michigan at two, Georgia at three, and Cincy at four. I think there's an argument for Michigan being at one over George or over Alabama, um, but not not a gr- good enough one. I'd still keep Alabama at one. I think they're the best team in the nation. And I I think they'll probably win the the college football championship. Trevor, do you agree with my four? You, you were saying some crazy stuff before the podcast, but before, so let's 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 hear your opinion now.
0: Well, I don't think there's any crazy. I don't think I was saying anything crazy because I think there are certain. You things- said one
1: crazy thing. The main thing you talked about, I guess, wasn't crazy, but it, it won't happen. <laughs>
0: I uh, yeah I don't necessarily think any of those things are crazy, but I just think that there are certain things that sometimes the committee um, really places more importance on than it should be, and I think you share some of those opinions that I disagree with, just as far as is what um, should be decided on. In my opinion, I think you know when we're deciding the importance of overall like who should be in the playoff we need to look at every game individually of the schedule because ultimately this is about resume we're not evaluating who are the four best teams now um, we're evaluating overall through the season with the resume you take into all you know 12-13 games and they count evenly in my opinion and you decide okay who are who have been the best four teams this season um, and I agree with the the conclusion that you have came to I think not Maybe not the order, but I agree that those are the four best teams um, because you look at like you go through. So Alabama, they have the best. If you just compare Alabama and Michigan, because that's probably the debate that most people are going to be having, who should be one, who should be two, uh, because that will matter, right? One of them gets to play Cincy. One of them gets to play Georgia. And for me, I think what it comes down to is that both of them have really good wins. Alabama just beat Georgia. That's the best win that any team has. Michigan has a win over Ohio State a really good win as well you know i mean i still think ohio state might be a top 4 team just just as far as how good they are but regardless that's a really good win for michigan um and then you look at like their their losses okay so alabama lost to texas a&m michigan lost to michigan state seems like the a&m lost a little bit worse because they are 8 and 4 michigan state's only has two losses so it's like all right You know, maybe you look at those things and it's kind of comparable. Um, But I think Alabama's resume is a little bit better because they do have the best win, even though they have a worse loss. Um, And they also play in the SEC, which overall you look at the schedule, look at the teams they played, and I think that the competition was a little bit better for Alabama. So I do think there is an argument for Michigan uh, to be number one, but I think Alabama uh, is going to get the nod. And then even if you look at Georgia, and I know they just lost, but again, Every game, you evaluate them evenly. They were destroying teams in the SEC. I mean, every you go down the line, they beat Clemson by a touchdown. You know, Arkansas, who was ranked at the time. Auburn, who was ranked at the time. They destroyed these teams by 20, 30 points. A couple shutouts here. Whereas Michigan had a couple close calls. And Alabama had a couple close calls. So, obviously, you know, you have to put Georgia behind Alabama because Alabama just beat them. I agree with that. But you could make an argument that Georgia should be number two. Um, ultimately, I don't think it matters because as long as Alabama and Georgia are playing each other as the two and three teams, and Alabama is playing Cincy as the one and the four, that's what matters most to
1: me. Yep, yeah, makes sense. Uh, the Georgia thing does not make sense. But we'll move on to the NBA. Let's get to some professional sports here. Uh, we got two games of the Warriors and Suns, Trevor, this week. Arguably the two best teams in the NBA. Uh, let's get your thoughts on that game. And then, you know, obviously we got the good, the bad the ugly small baller award everything you want to do there
0: yeah absolutely so these two teams which may be the two best teams in the nba one can argue i mean by record at least they are um they played each other twice once on tuesday once on friday uh phoenix winning the first one to extend their win streak um and then golden state coming back on friday and beating them which ended uh the win streak that phoenix had um and then the first one, obviously, Devin Booker, you know, he went out relatively early. He did get injured. I think it was some sort of like hamstring tightness or, or something like that. I think it's, it's super minor, but it did keep him out for the majority of that first game and kept him out for the entirety of the second game, which obviously, you know, a little bit of a bummer that we didn't necessarily get to see uh, the Suns at completely full strength, but we still saw a really good Suns team, especially in that first game. I mean, just defensively what they were able to do to kind of hinder uh, Steph's ability to get open jump shots running, you know, two, three guys at him as he's running around these screens. Mikal Bridges in particular, you know, really staying on Steph Curry, face guarding him at times, um, did a really incredible job. I don't even think Mikal Bridges had much of an offensive game at all. I don't think he took many shots. But on the defensive end, what he did um, is super important. And any time you're looking forward to the playoffs – and, I mean, now, looking at, uh, obviously, this Golden State team, they've been very good. Clay's supposed to come back. You need, especially in the Western Conference, you need to have someone who who can really, you know, do a great job of disrupting Steph Curry, disrupting his rhythm, and just not allowing him to get too comfortable. Because, you know, if he sees one go in, sees two go in, then, you know, it could be lights out and you could, you know, the Warriors could go on a big run and uh, it could be over for you. Um, so, Phoenix does have that. Mikal Bridges is really capable of doing that. Um, and he showed that on Tuesday. Um, but then on Friday, obviously, we saw a little bit of a difference there. You know, Steph Curry got in a little bit more of a rhythm in that one. And um, obviously the Suns, you know, could have used Devin Booker, you know, on Friday. So going to be interesting to see. These two teams do play again on Christmas Day, which I'm excited for. Hopefully they'll be at full strength then. Um but yeah, these two teams, based on record, seems like the best two teams in the NBA. Of course, there's a couple teams in the East that I think, you know, have a case to make uh, that they potentially could be the best team in the NBA as well. But right now, uh, these two teams look awesome. And they, they also just play great basketball. Both of them do. Both of them move the ball. Both of them have great depth. Uh, both of them play very, you know, just smart basketball, high IQ. Um, and it's just fun to watch.
1: Yeah, for sure. I uh, I caught a little bit of the Suns Warriors games, and, and then obviously I saw the Warriors play a couple uh, weeks ago, and those two teams look very, very fun to watch. Uh, do we have a small baller player of the week, Trevor? Yes, we do. We do have a small baller
0: player of the week. This week I am giving it to Memphis Grizzlies uh, Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain, uh, young player you know here at a TCU. Now I believe this is his second year, um, I think, um, hopefully, I'm right on that. But Desmond Bain, last night at least, he had uh, 29 points in a win over the uh, Dallas Mavericks. Just you know, a really, really great showing. You know, in Memphis, you look at Memphis's core of young players that they have, and they did give up Jonas Valanchunas, which I wasn't necessarily, I, I didn't necessarily know if I loved that move. But still, looking at their other young players, obviously they do have John Morant, which didn't did, didn't play in this game, uh, but they have him. They have Jaron Jackson Jr. They have Desmond Bain. They have Dylan Brooks. Just so, so much young talent for this Memphis team. And they're also, you know, you know, a fun team to watch. A lot of people, you know, Memphis a little bit of a smaller market. They aren't necessarily talked about on national media as much as the Lakers or the Knicks or the Nets, some of these other teams. But Memphis, they're a fun team to watch, and they have a lot of uh, good young talent. So Desmond Bain is the small baller of the week a uh, couple other players to mention. I'm gonna mention Darius Garland because he has been really showing out lately. He's really been balling um, out. Yeah, he's been balling for the Cavs. And the Cavs, you know, they they kind of um uh, were a little bit of on the downslope after Evan Mobley went out, but now they're starting to pick it up back again. They're they're back in they're in the playoff picture, they're above five hundred. You know, they're doing pretty well. So we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens going forward. Another one, Zach Levine. Obviously this one's no surprise. The Bulls are playing very well. Zach Levine, uh, 31 points, eight rebounds, and six assists in their win over the Brooklyn Nets last night. Um, they moved to 16 and eight. The Bulls just continuing to play uh, really well again. I think I said this before, but I think the one thing that the Bulls really need is like a four man who could kind of be that like defensive enforcer, just like you know an experienced playoff veteran that could come in. Um, you know, if they can get someone like that near the trade, trade deadline, I think that could be really useful to them. But on the offensive end, I mean, they, they have multiple guys who can score, create for others. Um, and in their backcourt, they've, they've obviously improved tremendously defensively with the addition of Caruso and Lonzo Ball. So a lot of things to be excited about for the Bulls. But, you know, for the playoffs, I think if they can make another move, that could m- maybe make them a contender.
1: Yeah, no, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, we got many more NBA games ahead of us. Um, but let's move to the NFL here for kind of our final main topic of the day. Um, and a couple things to run down for this past week. Uh, first thing I definitely want to talk about, Big Ben uh, might be on his way out, which I think we all knew this. Maybe he didn't know it, but we definitely all knew this. Uh, and you know what's interesting, Trevor? I am unhappy to hear this news. I want Big Ben to keep on playing because he sucks. He's terrible. Uh, anytime playing the Steelers is fun, you know. Where you got Big Ben, who's just terrible. I mean, I want to keep that going. Don't you think so, Trevor? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, I mean, I see with Big Ben. I thought this was coming a couple of years ago. Obviously, he's had so many injuries. Just his injury history is, is long running within the number of injuries. And I thought he was gonna, you know, be out of uh, a uniform a couple of years ago. But now it finally seems like he he will retire. Um you know and you know he had a long run, he had a good run there with the Steelers obviously a lot of great teams unfortunately i have to say so they had a lot of really good teams a lot of really good defenses and ben had you know at, at his peak you know he had some really solid years as well but with with him now getting ready to retire the Steelers kind of they still have a pretty good defense they still have some good pieces they have some good wide receivers so if they could find you know, one of these quarterbacks that that maybe aren't as happy with their situation, and this is what I'm worried about. You might be happy, or you might be upset about um, Ben leaving, and I think I agree because that because I'm a little worried that they may be able to get like a Russell Wilson or someone of that caliber. And if that happens, the Steelers, honestly, I mean, with Mike Tomlin, the, the great coach that he is, the roster that they have, they could potentially just jump back into contention if they get a quarterback of that caliber i mean i mean what do you think about that are you are you worried about the steelers potentially getting a quarterback of that caliber
1: yeah i mean we'll want we'll to see hopefully the steelers box that one up too um but we'll <laughs> yeah. you know we'll have to see um so let's get into some of the games this week that we're excited about uh we we got uh definitely some really great games uh i i mean the best one has got to be the monday night game right trevor yeah,
0: I mean, it's. I, I don't think it's all that close. I mean, Bengals-Chargers, which, you know, Ben... And Bengals-Chargers
1: is a really great game. Yeah, that's also it's, a really good gonna game. That's going to be a
0: great game. That's the best we game get to see, uh, for today, yeah.
1: Yeah, we get to see how good are the Patriots. I think they're the best team in the AFC right now. I think they're going go to win this game. Um, but uh, it's going to be a very, very exciting game. I mean, what are your thoughts? You're a Patriots fan, kind of, so... <laughs> More
0: than kind of. I'm very much a Patriots fan. Um, uh, kind of. No. Okay. Whatever. You can, you can be disrespectful. That's okay. That's the only angle you have. Um, so that, that works. Um, no, with this game, um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the games, Buffalo's the home team. It's in Orchard Park. It's not in Gillette. Um, however, Buffalo just lost a very important player in Tredavious White. I think that's going to hurt their defense yes. and obviously Jeez. their defense this year, you know, at the beginning of the year, it was getting a lot of hype. A lot of people were hyping up the Buffalo defense when they weren't playing teams that were, you know, as good, and then they started playing some better teams, and then there were a few times where maybe the defense got at least, you know, some of the holes, I think, stood out a little bit more. Now they lose a very important defensive player. That's going to help the Patriots out um, for sure. You know, the Patriots offensively, they've done a really good job, I think, overall um, running the ball, obviously kind of back to the old school, or not the old school, I'm we're 23 years old, so I shouldn't even say old school. I was going to say that the early <laughs> 2000s Patriots. It's not really old school, but regardless, the early 2000s Patriots, I think that's kind of... I mean, that's,
1: at this point, of, that's old school.
0: A little bit. I don't know. In, in, in my view, it's old school, but regardless, um, I think this Patriots team has some similarities to that, you know, 2001 team per se with, you know, the running game, the good offensive line, you know, they've done a pretty good job of protecting Mac Jones um, and, Slowly but surely, as I have mentioned in the past, they've been opening up the playbook more and more. Uh, Kendrick Bourne has really been a, a huge surprise to me. I love Kendrick Bourne, the receiver for the Patriots. Big fan of his. And then the defense, I mean, continues to to play really well. Dante Hightower is having an awesome season. Um, and it's weird because I thought like the Stefan Gilmore, him leaving, I thought that was gonna be you know more impactful. I thought that was gonna really hurt us in the secondary. But the secondary has been pretty good. You know for the Patriots they've got a lot of turnovers JC Jackson in particular you know he's like they call him Mr. Interception he gets a lot of uh interceptions and for the Bills I don't know the Bills I I do think they're still really good I think they're one of the contenders in the AFC but I don't know I mean I don't want to say I think the Patriots are going to win because I'm superstitious here but at this current moment I do think the Patriots are the better team just based on the past few weeks how they have went yeah um But this game, it's going to be really good because I think Josh Allen, you know, it's going to be tough for him. I think the Patriots defense will make it tough on Josh Allen. Um, I think the biggest question is, you know, how how good can Mac Jones play in this game? And can they get, you know, some of these bigger plays downfield that can really um, open it up a little bit more for the Patriots' run game as well to then just, uh, you know, get a lot of yards for Damien Harris and Ramondre Stevenson?
1: Yeah, well. We'll, uh, we'll have to see I, I think the Patriots will, will take the duck there but let's get to our predictions um as I, I forgot to even mention this but Ben is not with us as you probably could tell if you have gotten this far on the podcast um but what was Ben's prediction for this week I know he predicted the Ravens because he's trying to jinx the Ravens Ben um, I got to go back to the text now
0: Ben said oh okay so Ben's prediction um, he has the Ravens winning. I think he is. I think he's trying to jinx uh, your Ravens here. He's the Ravens beating the Steelers by 14 points. Wow. 14 points. That's uh, a big win. That's a little – I mean, it could happen, but, yeah, by 14 points. So that's Ben's prediction. And I guess I forgot to mention as well that the current scoreboard is now uh, Ben. is still in the lead, four points. But, Brendan, you got last week's point. So now you and I both have three points. We're only a point behind Ben. Obviously, you had the Giants winning by three. They won by six.
1: Uh, so what is your prediction for this week Brandon this week I'm gonna take what I believe is an easier prediction Chiefs and Broncos uh, the line is minus eight and a half to the Chiefs I am going to pick the Chiefs by 14. okay
0: Chiefs over Broncos by 14.
1: all right and try to wrap it up what is your prediction for this this coming Sunday or Monday
0: all right, so I'm gonna go. Maybe this is a little bit of an easy way out, um, but I'm gonna pick the Rams Jaguars game. I think the Rams. Ah,
1: oh, I think the
0: Rams are really gonna bounce boo. back. <laughs> no, actually, no, no, I'm not gonna pick the Jaguars to win. No, I think the Rams are gonna bounce back. Uh, Spread on this one's 13. I think that's too low. I got the Rams by 21 points over the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: I, I want to point out, I've gotten slander for picking easy games when I just got a point off a hard game. And then, Trevor, you come back and pick the Rams, one of the best 10 teams in the league against the Jags, who might They've be one of the bottom three teams in the league. The Rams have been struggling. Uh, I'm insulted. This this is now going on to you. But you know what? Hey, we'll see if you get it right. It's a big margin to win by. Um, but I, I think we'll wrap up the pod there for today. Thank you all so much for uh, listening. Of course, follow us on Twitter at the small Ball or click a link in the description um, so you know whenever we uh, come with podcasts. We'll be back next Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, so, you know, be on the lookout for that. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review if you enjoyed it. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.
0: Go Falcons!